to say we are living in evil days is an understatement. For these are days of great confusion, not only in the world, but also in the church, especially in regard to the question of marriage. From the passage we have heard, this is at the very beginning of our Lord's ministry. It's the Mount of Beatitudes. He has already delivered the eight Beatitudes, one of which is, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. He expands on each one of the Beatitudes. He develops it. And he develops in the gospel passage we heard the beatitude that talks about purity of heart. He begins with the commandments given by Moses. You have learned how it was said you must not commit adultery. That certainly is in the commandment. But also there is another commandment the ninth, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. The law, human law, can only regulate external actions. Divine law regulates internal dispositions because what our Lord is doing is building up the new man. So he is in fact rooting out the very cause of our infidelity to God, of which the external action is merely the fruit. But he's saying that the disease, the sin, begins in the intention. And then it went fully grown, it bears fruit. St. Paul says something similar. So where does the act of adultery begin? It begins with the lustful look, a lustful intention, which is what our Lord uproots when he says, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery in his heart. It does not even wait for the fruit to bear. It's already an offense against God. If we go all the way back to the garden, we'll find that in that first sin which brought such disaster to our race, that the Holy Spirit tells us, the woman looked at the fruit and saw it was good to eat. As far as that goes, there is no sin, for indeed it was good since God had created it. That it was a fruit of a tree, it was also designed for eating. And God himself had indicated that much by actually forbidding the eating thereof. Warning of the consequences of eating. And so the woman looked at it and saw it was good to eat. The problem begins with the second one. Sin is conceived, the second, inasmuch as it was pleasing to the eyes. For which reason our Lord says, take out the eye. And that 
it was desirable for the knowledge that it would give. And that's where the sin began. All that was lacking was an opportunity which soon followed, for she took a net. And likewise, the Lord speaks to us in regard to adultery. It is pleasing. The thought makes it desirable. All that is lacking is the opportunity. And so the Lord tells us what the consequence will be. Just as the day you eat of it, you will die, so now he says to, to us that the consequence is the thrown into hell. The church's teaching on this matter was very clear for 2,000 years. It was something that had been hammered out. St. Paul himself, in the first letter to the Corinthians, deals with it. So right at the very apostolic age, the very origins of the church, the matter had been dealt with. Marriage has never been easy for the simple reason of that first sin. In the third chapter of Genesis, we're told that the Lord God recognized there would be a problem between a married couple. When Moses took the people out of Israel, he was taking a people who had lived in Egypt, sorry, when Moses took the people out of Egypt, he was taking a people who had lived among pagans and behaved like pagans. He'd given them a law which was to transform them, the Ten Commandments. Because they lived like pagans, they objected to the question of lifelong commitment in marriage. And they pressed Moses so that Moses wrote a bill. He permitted divorce, as our Lord would say later on, because of the hardness of heart. And so the Lord deals with this right at the beginning of his ministry. It has also been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a writ of dismissal. But the writ of dismissal wasn't something easy to get. Because only the scribes could write the, the Hebrew characters for the dismissal. And the intention was the scribes would delay the matter to such a point that the couple would be reconciled. The scribe was also to, supposed to instruct them so as to bring them in harmony of will. That was the purpose of the writ. But like all things, and we will see this in our own time, like all things, it becomes automatic. You just, they want a divorce, give them a divorce, end of story. Our Lord says, this is not the Creator's intention. And so he says, I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife and make, makes her an adulteress, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And of course, the converse is true with her husband. So to divorce and remarry is adultery. And so it's very disturbing when today we hear the calls from the highest levels in the church who say that the divorce and civilly remarried can actually be in a state of grace, can actually receive the sacraments. This is very disturbing because it contradicts the Lord's clear words in Scripture. More than this, 
St. Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians, writes, Whoever eats and drinks without discerning the presence of the Lord, that is, those who are in state of sin and come to communion, eat and drink condemnation to themselves. So it is not an act of mercy to allow remarriage remarried, civilly remarried divorcees access to the sacraments. The church for 2,000 years has taught this. How can we, for pastoral reasons, reverse this and not contradict the clear words of our Lord? And then we are not being merciful, for we are plunging people into hell. The writ of dismissal was meant to delay the process so that the couple could be reconciled. It became automatic. It is said that the pastoral direction of the priests, they can, the remarried divorcees could be brought to a point where they could understand. Human nature does not change. We will see sacrilege and the scourging of the church but even more serious, it is the loss of souls for all eternity. Let us pray then that the Holy Spirit will enlighten our Holy Father and the bishops and the priests and above all the laity so that the fullness of the gospel, which is life, might be enjoyed by all of us in this world and eternal life given to us in the next. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Mm-hmm.